What up, world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican Powerhouse, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, the podcast mercenary himself, Chris and Joel Ramos, back at again with a brand new review. And today we're going to review the new DC Comics and Warner Brothers film, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. This film came out literally a couple of days ago. I think I saw it uh, yesterday, which is Friday. And so far, it's done pretty good. Uh, I mean, it's already been a day, so got to give it a full weekend. Uh, it's not had the worst or the best reviews. It's somewhere in the middle. So let's just go on and just talk about it. Uh, it was directed by James Wan, who returned for the sequel to direct it. And it is also a screenplay by David Leslie Johnson, McGoldrick. Story by James Wan, David McGoldrick, James Zimamoa, and Thomas Pasibet. Based on the characters from DC, of course, produced by Peter Safran, James Wan, Rob Cohen. Starring Jason Momoa as the titular character, Arthur Curry, a.k.a. Aquaman. Patrick Wilson as Ocean Master, like once again, Amber Heard. Uh, controversially returns as, as uh, Queen Mera, and she is throughout the film. They try to downplay her role. And again, opinions aside, she's in the movie enough to... Because she's the wife of the of the king. I mean, she if you really want to get rid of her from the film, you have to literally recast her role at this point in they didn't decide to do that. And again, I'm not trying to like bury the actress, but she's no longer acting at this point because of all the controversies of her and her ex-husband, Johnny Depp, and all the crazy shit that came out on the news. And obviously, you know, all the crazy shit we heard about their marriage. And again, don't want don't want to dig that into that well again. You can look it up on TMZ or elsewhere. I'm not this kind of person to just bury actors. Um, is that being said... The role she played in was there. It wasn't exactly a huge part of the film. It was just, you know, again, her. she got more of a part in the first film because it really tied into her royal roots. But this one, she was very much just a side character that is there to exist as a vehicle for the character. Um, that's just the way she came off. So, that being said, let's continue the list here. We have Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, who returned as Black Manta. Randall Park, who plays a scientist. Dolph Lundgren turns as the king of one of the Seven Kingdoms. Tamaru Morrison returns as Arthur Curry's father. And Martin Short was in the film. Gosh, he must have played the Crab Man and one of the other leaders of another kingdom. And Nicole Kidman as the queen, uh, his mom. So the plot is several years after becoming the king of Atlantis, Arthur Curry has married Mera and has had a son, Arthur Jr. While splitting his life between land and sea, working as the liaison for both worlds as they're not really in they don't work together as far as far as the earthlings on earth know they have no clue the atlanteans or their sea worlds even exist uh so meanwhile while david keen who, who uh seeks to see uh seek revenge against arthur uh, and his father's death because that's what happened in the first film he's working with a marine biologist by the name of stephen shin and he continues to find atlantean artifacts Pretty much trying to find a way to actually defeat Aquaman. Since he's human and limited, he's trying to find weaponry from the ancient times that actually helped fought against, because there was wars, uh, the Atlanteans, so that he can even the playing field. So he finds a black trident that possesses, that possesses him because it has an ancient ruler from an evil time. Uh, it's Crater promising to give him the power to destroy Arthur. And he gets possessed and gets this green smoke around him. His eyes turn green and he kind of becomes a little bit different as far as how he acts in his motions. So five months pass, David attacks Atlantis and breaks into the Oriclium reserves and powers 
Shin, uh, Shin's Atlantean machines, and Arthur learns that this usage of this chemical or element emits high quantities of greenhouse gases. Essentially, this whole movie is about climate change. It comes up a lot, and the side effects of using, you could say, radioactive materials. So it has raised not only planetary temperatures because extreme weather changes in the ocean, acidifying the waters, nearly causing planetary extinction when used by the ancient Atlantean kingdom back in the old days before they united the kingdoms. So to learn where David is hiding, Arthur breaks his half-brother Orm, of course, uh, that's uh, played by Patrick Wilson, and uh, out of prison, and the two meet up to fight the, uh, to find the crime lord Kingfish. Mind you, this film has a lot of vibes of Thor to Dark World, where Loki and, and Thor have to coexist, except in this film, they kind of make fun of it. Like, I feel like Jason Momoa played himself more than he did Arthur Curry, because, of course, he was goofy in the first movie, but he was very much, like, trying to play this role. In this one, he's phoning it in. I think it's because, let's face it, the DCU is over this is the last film within the dceu everything else from dc coming after this will be part of the brand new dc universe that's yet to be named by james gunn so it'll fit within the suicide squad sequels vision and every hero might get recast and there's rumors going around that jason momoa might return but not as aquaman but as the main man lobo that's right lobo from the superman comic books also famously from the lobo comics when he also appeared, in, I think it was Garrett, was it Brad Garrett from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, played him on the animated Superman, the animated series back in the 90s, and made that role iconic. He was uh, very much like the DC version of a Wolverine or some sort of anti-hero like the Punisher. Either way, Lobo was a cool character, one of my favorites in the DC world. So this film, if I'll give you the whole thing, they're trying to defeat this Seventh Kingdom which is aka the Lost Kingdom, and it's called Necris. I'm like, okay, so it's a necromancer kingdom where everybody's undead zombies. Yeah, pretty much it. The movie's straightforward. I mean, they go through jungles to try to find um, Black Manta, where his base is secretly hidden because the greenhouse gases exploded. I'm um, exploded. Are being set, uh, mined for in a, near an active volcano, dust creating a jungle paradise because you know climate change changes things around it. So this volcanic land is now becoming filled with super-powered animals and plants, and the whole film is just, can they coexist? Can both Arthur and Orm literally be brothers for the first time instead of being enemies? Because, again, Orm is in prison, but he is very noble because he abided by his prison sentence. He wasn't trying to break out. He was actually very fragile-looking and bearded-looking like a castaway. And, of course, Arthur makes the castaway joke. He's like, grab Wilson, we're out of here. And, of course, they have him in a prison that's in the middle of a desert by these desert people that uh, are very much look like some sort of like goblin creatures. Again, they're not exactly the most attractive looking people. They look like like insect people, right? They have, they're on these giant insects as well. And the whole movie is just them trying to find Black Manta before he destroys the literal entire earth, underwater and over on land. And it is this crazy uh, cockamamie way where Arthur is so confident because he is the new king of Atlantis, right? He is the current, but he also has insecurities. Like, hey, I don't know much about this litigation stuff and, you know, that comes with the paperwork. They show scenes where the council's there trying to pass laws and Arthur's just falling asleep in his chair and Mary's like hitting him, like, wake up. And it shows that Jezebel Mo was really in for this for more of the action stuff, like the old school way of 
being a warrior king instead of being a political king, which Orm is more about. He, I mean, yeah, he'll fight, but end of the day, it's a matter of balancing out. You have to be able to do the boring shit as well as, you know, to get the action-packed adventures because you're going to spend more of your time on your throne trying to make get peace with other kingdoms and trades and all this other political stuff versus being out there in the field as a warrior back when he was like single and not married of course he's enjoying the dad life his son and sequences of him and his son and his father and his son like grandfather it's all very cute and again they play into that arthur's son can talk to fish eventually and he's only like barely a year old but so much has gone through this time that orm is unaware because he's been imprisoned he doesn't know that he thinks he's the last of the bloodline considering his youngest sibling because they're the way to get to necrom is this dna machine that you need the blood of at a royal atlantean in order to enter necros and they figure they're going to go after him he's like no i have a son who's the youngest and that's when it gets intense in that scene where they try to kidnap his uh arthur's son arthur jr and this is becomes a crazy uh again it's 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 almost like thor to the dark world but not as boring very much light i mean it, it's dark when it has to be dark i'm not going to say it's all, not all the way dark or not it, but it ha has tones of like bad guys are bad the good guys are good there's no gray area the only gray area is really is do you think orm's gonna uh turn on his brother the whole time because you're wondering because he's not he just like don't call me brother and by the end of the film you find out that like because of their mom uh, that they're actually kind of growing up on because arthur is fighting to defend his brother and then he gets hurt and then orm steps up and defense is your older brother and it's just again you weren't expected from a guy like Orm because he's such a i guess even arthur called him like kind of racist against people who live above land that he's this guy's never he's been up in, you know in the surface but he's never had a cheeseburger and beer never had a pizza slice but he's quick to assume all the foods of the earth are like disgusting because it's beneath him right again the whole common man versus royalty thing it's just and it's the, the <laughs> one would think uh that uh arthur arthur curry was pretty much like promoting her food you know it's amazing you gotta give it a shot but also he's just a chad like he's just a bro and orm is very much a uptight royal right what else can i say about that so the real question is is this film worth watching hell yeah i thought i was gonna suck going into it just because the hit and miss rate of dc films let's be honest flash was terrible i've definitely buried that movie for longer than i had to bury it for i mean i did a whole 45 minutes maybe an hour long of event session how that movie was balls but <laughs> this movie was actually very fun entertaining it took itself serious enough it found the right balance like if the james gunn universe is much is much like this film with james wan i am looking forward to the revamped james gunn universe because Suicide Squad was in a great direction. It had great music and had it felt like Guardians all over again. It had that newish vibe to it, but also it's going to wear out if because again it's not going to be James Gunn directing every film. Maybe he might rehire James, uh, James Wan to like be in the films with him, right? Maybe he might bring back David Goyer. He might even bring back Zack Snyder. He even said to himself, "I'm open to anybody coming back as long as they're part of working with my vision of the DC universe." So he's not like coming here to just like 
Scorch Earth, get rid of all the old directors. No, 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 not, not at all. If anything, if any of those old directors want to come back and do different projects to kind of have like a second chance, at, at, at second crack at it, absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if David Ayer, because he's been very vocal. Like people have been trying to bury David Ayer for the first Suicide Squad movie. And James Gunn's very much defending him. Like, hey, he did a great job of what he has to work with and what he was told, which is true because David Ayer's vision was not completely his vision. It was what Warner Brothers wanted from this film that they made. And his vision was a lot more dark, and they were going for more tongue-in-cheek humor, whereas well, that's why James Gunn was hired. So maybe with David Ayer with a James Gunn, who actually understands David Ayer's way of making films, they could find a happy medium where you could have the dark and grim stuff, but also toss in a couple of comedic elements. Because, again, Guardians, when it came out in, for Marvel, it had those elements of dark stuff, mostly the enemies, but it, and also deep stuff with... Uh, things that happen, you know, with all the characters' backstories, very sad and tragic, but at the end, there's always humor because that's their defense mechanism. Similar to Arthur Curry in this film, he uses humor, he admits it, I use humor to mask my anxiety and pain because uh, what else am I going to do, be sad all the time? Like, yeah, he's a king of a kingdom, his responsibilities are endless. And this whole film is just a, it's almost like millennial, millennial guy, Millennial dad is king of the of the world, right? And again, he's not millennial. He's obviously Gen X. But J Jason Momoa is a kind of a weird guy because he acts like a millennial, but I know he's a Gen X because he's he's up there in age, and um, he definitely. But he's just a very chill guy. Like for a guy as big and brolic as Jason Momoa in real life, like he looks burly and he looks like he should be a linebacker in the NFL. Like he's always been a larger than life guy, but he always was a big teddy bear at the same time. He's very much like. Hey, I'm big and I can be scary, but also the real life me is not as scary as the characters I play portray on TV and film. And that's what I like about Aquaman because it plays into his no, 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 be yourself. Same way with Thor. Like I make the equivalent comparison, like Chris Hensworth as Thor is half him and half the Thor, the character. Same with Aquaman. Half of the character is what Jason Momoa brings to the table, and the other half is the actual character of Arthur Curry, who is completely vastly different from the Arthur Curry of the comic books, even Justice League cartoons. But, I mean, to be honest, Orn looks like a stereotypical Aquaman. People even said that. With the same haircut, blonde. Whereas Jason Momoa looks more like a, a complete opposite rebellious character. I mean, the, but he fits the... A Samoan Aquaman makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, those, these, these, these societies live on water. It wouldn't make sense for him. But funny enough, when they did Aquaman, they didn't make the Samoan people part of the... Atlanteans, they made the white folks Atlanteans, and so like some people were like, "Oh, cool, okay." But in my head, I'm like, "Nah, they should have just leaned into it." Like Samoa is an island nation around the Pacific Ocean, and the Pacific Ocean is mass and, and vast and uncharted waters because there's a lot of no land in between. Like you take flights from Australia to freaking uh, California, you're gonna spend 13 hours of it over water. You're not gonna spend much of it on land. So it would make perfect sense that it, Atlantis was in Polynesia, but it's not. It's actually quite the opposite. They made the father, who was the former Jango Fett from Star Wars, uh, he is the, the Samoan person in the family, and he's an Earth, you know, Earth guy, works the lighthouse, very Maine, Massachusetts, uh, very New England, right? Just that area of the world. And he meets this woman, and that's how they had Arthur. So, again... I love the two worlds trying to coexist, and again, the the villain is the same villain we had in the last film, just jacked up on steroids. Like he literally was on these chemicals that are horrible. And I gotta say, 
the movie just came out, so I can't even read in the box office. The movie came out yesterday, or debuted Thursday night, right? It's not going to make the money just yet. The budget was $205 million. So far, it's only made $14 million, but again, it's been a day and a half. you got to give it time. If it at least matches 205 which I think it can with good reviews and people like actually word of mouth, because it's not a bad film. I think it's entertaining. I think if you're going to say, hey, should I save my money or watch in theaters? Watch in the theaters. I saw it in 3D. Again, I'm not a fan of 3D. It was the earliest showing I can get. I had a great time at it, and I think more people should give this film a chance versus the Flash one because there isn't much controversy going into it. Obviously, the most controversial thing is the actress that plays Queen Mera, but that aside, I mean, her own personal uh, disputes do not really affect the movie's production. I mean, I guess they were in court. I mean, and there was that weird thing of falling out between uh, Amber Heard and Jason Momoa that I don't even want to bring up, but outside of something normal as marriage disputes it wasn't anything like groundbreaking like again i don't want to deep deep dive into this but let's just say that it is normal in comparison to ezra miller's flash who ezra miller as a person is very much a polarizing figure but way more polarizing than i ever heard i believe i would definitely say that so the fact that movie didn't make any money because people were so against them I get it, but also you can't you can't fault anyone else. Like people who are there making the movie, it's not just the movie with the Flash, but of course I guess his C was a star, and in this one the star is Aquaman. So they, the thing is, Jason Momoa is such a likable person. You can look past the Amber Heard stuff because he carries the film, and he is the main character we focus on. And he actually is in 90% of the film. Mara is probably like in 10% of the movie. And they probably cut back even more because of the controversies, right? I, but even that aside, she wasn't much needed in this film. She was, there was a scene where she was hurt. And, they, you know, they, they, they alluded to, hey, he's getting, he's fighting for, for revenge and whatnot. But at the end of the day, the film was basically about two brothers trying to find their lost uh, sibling like you know years missed years of being siblings right just trying to find common ground but also understand where they both come from and why they did things for for what it was and also dealing with uh a reoccurring villain who is now uh super has got superpowers and towards the end of the film it got really super uh nuts with the the king of the lost kingdom being like this spirit in the form of like a zombie like he purposely used magic and then you find out he's actually like a former, uh, he was the brother of the original King of Atlantis or whatever it was, and you're like, oh, it all makes sense. It's literally the same story, but like, seven, this one, he didn't cost his old kingdom to, he didn't make, he didn't uh, curse his old kingdom to become zombies alongside him. He like, he, it literally was wild. But you know what? The best parts of the movie, uh, Randall Park, he was all right. I mean, he, when he's in these films, he's always a comedic character, right? He's a scientist. But he's very much the heart in the film, and he's trying to work with Black Mantle, but Black Mantle's just gone. Like, he, he is just so focused, and he, now with him being almost possessed by this evil weapon, it was it was intense. And the whole movie was so much fun. I think, for sure, it is something that people just gotta, like, not, I don't want to say the word turn your brain off, but it is a average superhero film with a decent enough action in it and good enough story i would say that it is watchable with family friends now the big question is kids 
I think you can bring kids to this. You could bring kids to many of the quote-unquote superhero films. This one isn't too over-the-top where kids would be, would be terrified, I guess I could say. But um, with that being said, uh, it is probably not going to break a billion. It's probably not going to be that profitable. I think the, I think what really it will be the big telling sign is uh, during the Christmas or holiday break, if it makes movie because movie, uh, money in the movies, because most of families will be bored being at home all the time. They're going to want to do something. And the only thing, only thing open on Christmas days, literally just movie theaters, hospitals, and coffee shops. And you're going to want to do something. So at least one of the movies is an activity. It's fun. And it's something you do when it's not a holiday week, right? I just went to movies on a, on a th Friday afternoon because I had a half day of work or whatever. So like it is a, a sense of normalcy when everything else is shut down. So that being said, Go watch it. I'm going to give this movie a 75% out of 100. Again, halfway decent. Wasn't amazing. Wasn't terrible. But it was very entertaining. And um, it didn't really bore me. And it didn't slow down during parts. And the parts that are, you think it would slow down, it kind of like found a nice pace. And it was a giant adventure film. Like It was a giant buddy cop movie, right? It was just that kind of scale. Like, you know, two brothers that can't get along. You know, the shoving buddies, whatever you want to call it. But in the end, everything works out. And um, it is, has a great finale. And again, I didn't, did I give you much spoiler in this? I gave some spoiler, uh, but I didn't say how things happen, but, or what happens to certain characters. Mm, it was vaguely described, but that being said, this was a fun film. I enjoyed it. It is the last film in the DCU. I cannot wait to see where the DC universe in film goes from here and uh once we get to that point what the next step is but uh as always thank y'all for tuning in this is another review of the podcast mercenary show on the podcast mercenary christian joel ryan mostly signing out till next time and always stay tuned for more as we continue here on the show happy holidays merry christmas happy new year until next time i'm out